Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for June 22nd, 2023. What is China's impact on the global economy? This is Brian Kirk, and our podcast typically focuses on the U.S. economy. But today, we're going to take a more global perspective and focus on the second largest economy, China, and the impact it has on the rest of the world. With the U.S. economy drawing closer to a potential recession, where is China headed? And what are the ripple effects of China's economy on the rest of the world? These are some big questions. So we invited Rebecca Wilder, Senior Investment Professional and Head of Emerging Markets at Nationwide Financial to share her insights. And joining Rebecca, we also have Scott Murray, Financial Markets Consultant. Hello, Rebecca. Thanks for joining us today. Can you give our audience a little background about yourself? And how did you learn so much about China? Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me here. I'm really excited to be participating in this podcast from Nationwide. I joined Nationwide five years ago. Previous to that, I was head of sovereign research uh, at a third-party asset manager in Boston. I came here to Columbus to join as head of international research and strategy. And the one thing that I realized we needed to do is take on covering China. Uh, That was in 2018. It was before um, the Trump taxes and tariffs against China and starting in 2019 and following some very volatile years, uh, 2015 to 2017 and global commodity markets and global emerging markets. So we started covering China distinctly uh, in 2019 under me. And so now I've got five years experience covering uh, primarily the macro in China, but also related markets, um, specifically in emerging markets. So that's where we are today. Um, China is indeed a very, very interesting story. Uh, going through a very distinct structural downtrend in their growth. And markets and macroeconomists across the world are grappling with this new China. What does it mean for global growth? Uh, What does it mean for uh, global international economies outside of China? And what does it mean that for markets that have traditionally depended on Chinese growth engine as it slows down over the medium term? So that is uh, what I'm here to talk about with you today and what I think about on a regular basis as we invest for nationwide investments. Well, thank you, Rebecca. Tell us more about the China economy. What is your assessment of the current economy there? The current economy, and I'll just use basically 2023. So in 2021, China went through a very large boom. Property market was doing very well. Um, recovering from uh, supply interventions and and kind of post-COVID world, uh, you know, very much still in the COVID world, but benefiting from the Western demand for goods and services or specifically goods. Um, In 2022 was a very, very volatile year for China. They put on some uh, structural reforms that impacted severely the property sector and slowed down one of the largest growth engines in China, which is the property sector. China's never had a recovery without the property sector. So here we are in 2023, they probably over slowed down the the property sector, over delivered the property builders, and they're trying to fight back and they're reopening at the same time, or at least they did in the first quarter. So we do have some tailwinds to China at this point in time. Uh, In the first half of 2023, we still have services doing very, very well. 
from um, the post-COVID recovery and the opening of the Chinese ec um, economy um, after three years of effectively being shut down from the rest of the world. And we also have a property market that is still very uncertain, but seems to be stimulated by the government so that it's not falling too quickly. Uh, there is an impulse there, and they do have an incentive to, to stabilize the property sector, but there, there, there's an ebb and flow to this. And the question is, will they be able to do it without putting too much stimulus on? So this is leading to the macroeconomic data, which is very bifurcated. We have the manufacturing sector, which is slowing down because they've slowed down stimulus. The property sector is struggling a little bit on the investment side, but we still have services doing very, very well. For example, um, uh, industrial profits are contracting by double digits, yet service, domestic service uh, corporate profits are expanding by double digits uh, year on year. So we've got a very bifurcated recovery, and that's look, and then therefore we're looking at kind of confused macroeconomic data. But it is very evident, especially in April and May, that the impulse from China's reopening that was very evident in the first quarter of 2023 has slowed down materially. Most economic indicators in China, including the short-term uh, surveys for um, manufacturing and services, um, the hard data, uh, retail sales, investment spending, property sales are all indicating that the Chinese economy is slowing down pretty quickly. And we've started to see policymakers step in on the other side to cut, do what they traditionally do is cut policy rates and stimulate some credit generation. The difference is right now is they're just not doing that very quickly and they're not, they're more interested in staying kind of behind the economic momentum rather than truly generating and pulling forward economic momentum. So policymakers are pretty happy with the, I think comfortable with the way the economy is performing. We expect in 2023 for the Chinese economy to grow just under 6%. Now this is in excess of the government stated not lower than 5% level. So it's a decent expansion. And I think at the end of the year, you'll start to see a pickup with more stimulus. In 2024, we expect for the economy to slow down a little bit further, but still expand pretty quickly and well in advance of uh, uh, potential growth, which is around three and a half percent. So in 2024, we expect growth to be kind of around four and a half to 4.8 percent. Nothing spectacular like the markets are used to when China is in a growth stage, uh, but very much in line with the structural downtrend in uh, growth that the Chinese policymakers are trying to achieve. So they're trying to make kind of these really quick growth engines like property much less of a story for Chinese macro growth, and they want to substitute that toward broader consumption growth, uh, more productive manufacturing uh, that can contribute to global manufacturing and can benefit from global manufacturing, higher value added, but all that is going to be at a slower pace of growth. So even though we are slowing down in 2023, it's kind of in line with what is happening at a longer term, more structural policy uh, generated expectation of slower growth in China. And that is what we are dealing with. This is the new China. We're not looking at quick policy, you know, 35% credit generation year on year growth rates like we saw in 2009 or 16% in 2015. 
we're looking at a very, very slow policy reaction to kind of drive the economy to the slower pace rather than generate quick growth for everybody to benefit from in China. So global markets, especially uh, financial markets, are, are grappling with how to interpret the new China right now. Well, thank you, Rebecca. Let's bring Scott into the conversation now. Scott, we just heard Rebecca's outlook for China for 2023 and 2024. So what do you think the potential ripple effects are for the rest of the world? Great. Well, thank you, Brian, for the question. And uh, thank you for your time. It's a pleasure to take part in this podcast. And Rebecca, it's great to join you. So it's a pleasure to speak with you also. I really like the phrase that Rebecca used, the structural consumption uh, focus. And I, I think that as China looks forward in terms of its position in the world as a consumer, I think that's really has some exciting opportunities for the world, for the U.S. as we move forward. It's been quite a ride, right, from the pandemic's decline, particularly for U.S. companies. First was the just trying to get stuff. Right. We had, you know, supply chains clogged. We had all these patio furnitures in December at, at Long Beach uh, that weren't really uh, doing much for, for the uh, import market. So the U.S. Uh, firms had to sort of reestablish what they were doing, what their trade strategy was moving forward. And so clearly there was some focus here of domestic production that kind of helped. So we saw some import weakness, and then we saw you know, the rebuilding that surged through uh, on, on the import side of the equation, uh, and that's sort of helped recently. In addition, we've sort of seen a reclaiming of some export markets that were somewhat weakened by it, particularly as the dollar was pretty strong uh you know until you know mid uh, 2022 since then i think it's been helpful an interesting fact as we look at the five components of us gdp exports net exports has actually been a really positive category uh we've had issues higher Fed, uh, you know, interest rates have produced uh, a decline in CapEx. At the same time, the consumer is still fighting uh, the inflation uh, battle, uh, still buying, but in, in those areas. So it's been a nice release valve here in the United States for those. And so the prospects of uh, the Chinese consumer market and how U.S. companies can interact with that, I think is really a positive uh, as we move forward. For Europe, uh, we've seen continued, particularly out of Germany, we've seen struggles with their automotive exports. It's an important part. And that actually trickles through to the rest of Europe as most of uh, the other countries provide certain parts, and that's an important part to their economy, to the finished goods that Germany produces, automobiles, high value product, uh, you know, the consumer, the rest of the world, I think that's really helpful. So in a sense, as as trade are, is reestablished and reworked post pandemic, we've seen other areas of the world helping, uh, you know, the US and, 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 and Europe. And now that China is 
repositioning itself, particularly on the consumer focus, I think that can provide some opportunities, particularly here in the U.S., because we are taking the impact of in higher interest rates, as we've seen today out of the Bank of England, and we've seen uh, uh, recently out of the Bank of, of Canada, uh, and concerns out of the ECB also of inflation. And so I think these are uh, these are good opportunities moving forward for these uh, the world economy to uh, have a, a helpful additional catalyst whether it will how it comes to fruition is always a challenge in international trade particularly uh, some geopolitics uh, oil and all those cards and trade and, and and currencies that 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 work in that areas but i think for the u.s companies for european companies this is a welcome uh, a, a welcome event yeah thank you scott so for some closing comments from both of you here with all the headwinds out there in China slowing down and the U.S. potentially entering a recession at some point, what recommendations do each of you have for managing risk? So you're you're asking what the investment implications are, and that's exactly why we cover China so uh, closely on, at Nationwide Investments is because it is a very large driver of global growth mechanism, as Scott uh, talked about in a potentially larger driver in the future in a, in a slightly different way. Uh, but it is extremely important for global markets uh, related to directly China's large import base, such as many import, China imports more than 50% of the world's iron ore, aluminum and copper for primarily the metals and also the energy sectors. Uh, China is an extremely important um, engine for these global macro markets. Uh, so at the margin, you know, energy, for example, if you look at Brent crude oil, um, has come off quite a bit. And that was very much in line with the slowdown that I talked about in China. But looking forward, if you think about the Chinese and, and, and tourism continuing to expand, I think that puts a floor underneath the price of oil and that will continue to help energy markets as Chinese consumers or travelers do indeed increase their international travel. So we haven't seen that play out yet. And in fact, uh, statistics indicate that China Chinese travelers are still in international travel at just 18% of 2019 levels. So I, I expect that we'll see Chinese tourism continue to uh, burst and internationally, this will support global energy markets, I believe, at the margin and it also uh, support, uh, you know, tourism markets, highly valued tourism markets like in Western Europe and then the U.S. Uh, as well. Uh, and even parts of the Middle East, the Chinese tourists will come back. So that will support those markets and, and support commodities, especially energy. Uh, but traditional commodity markets that do correlate with uh, Chinese economic growth, such as copper, less so right now, but iron ore or steel, you know, I, I think this is where the new China comes in. I, I wouldn't expect for steel to be highly correlated to Chinese macro growth at this point in time, because unless the, uh, unless it is, or, or, or iron ore, unless it is um, the property market that's really driving it, some of these correlations are going to break down. So, 
I think you really need to think about regional uh, linkages and ties to China, such as tourism and travel and countries that can benefit from that and very direct uh, macro markets like energy that will benefit from the reopening effect ongoing through travel. Uh, but again, this new China is, it will take some time to understand what that means for global markets. Uh, and I think we'll continue to feel that over the next few years um, via higher volatility in, in some markets as we try to figure out how they do relate to the new China. I really liked uh, Rebecca's comments about the element of volatility and how um, the international community, international trade works. And that's really, we have to remember that uh, just over the last few years, that's actually been quite an issue. Uh, supply chains, linkages, uh, how that kind of works and flows together. And I think for U.S. companies, and I would suspect also for European companies, this has been quite a, a challenging environment of how to work uh, over you know these disruptions and adding more volatility uh, and uh, new change provides what we would say are some potential exciting green shoots, but also the structure, the environment uh, in which the goods are exchanged really uh, is something that continues to be needed to work on. And I think that's going to continue to be uh, a, a, something of concern for many business leaders, both in the United States and in Europe, and how that interaction works very forward, because they're sort of risk averse and having been through a, a challenging experience, where you couldn't you can get almost everything of one good but you could get the other or shipping things getting stuck in shipment i think are continue to be top of mind and is something that's going to uh, uh, take a while to work through well thank you rebecca and scott for your insights today and nationwide will continue to monitor the economies of not just the u.s but other leading economies as well and provide updates via this podcast and also in our Advisor Advocate blog on nationwidefinancial.com. Next week's podcast, we're going to provide our mid-year health check on the U.S. economy with insights from Nationwide's Chief Economist, Kathy Bustancic. So make sure you hit that subscribe button so you're notified of each new episode. Until next time, for Nationwide Market Insights, this is Brian Kirk. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax or financial condition or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide Inn and Eagle are service marks of the Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright 2023. Nationwide.